hey, you went hunting and you got lost because you weren't prepared. Uh, hi, my name is Roy Canterbury, and we talk in uh, here on Archie Talk 101. I'm going to be your host today. You went hunting and you got lost because you weren't prepared. Hi, my name is Roy Canterbury. I'm your host today on Archie Talk 101. And today we're going to talk about uh, uh, electronics and bow hunting. You know, is it good or bad? Uh, what what you need? Uh, before we get into that, I want to let you know I have an Archie coaching program. We do it online. We do it through a Zoom call. And I have a 15-minute uh, free consultation to see if it might be something for you. Uh, I'll leave a link in the description below on how you can get that free uh, consultation to see if I can help you out in your archery needs. It, after all, we want to be the best shot we can. I've been teaching this technique uh, since uh, 1995 and I've been shooting bows since the 60s. And I have learned lots of uh, uh, techniques to teach you how to be a better shot. Uh, I learned uh, back tension release back several years ago and I've been doing that and teaching that as well as I've got over 20 years in martial arts and I kind of combine them too because there's things in, in martial arts where you, you know, force is, is directed in the right direction. You have more energy transferred to your target. The same thing applies to shooting your bow. So check the link in the description before, below and we'll, we'll get you hooked up with a free 50 minute call to see if coaching might be for you. Now back to the uh, subject of the uh, talk today. We're going to be talking about electronics and how they apply to uh, bow hunting. Now, to start off with, let's let's just get in a little bit of a background on what you're going to look at. Um, when you go to a magazine store, you look at the bow hunting magazines, you're going to find articles on technology and, you know, the advancements in the bows and the arrows, uh, as well as, you know, they, all the accessories. You know, the, it's it's a whole lot better accessories than when we first started compounds it was you know a pin that you tightened up and it moved up and down and in and out and and now they're just so much easier the technology and sights are just so much better uh you have the fiber optic ones where you can see them in low light uh, pretty much you can take uh, uh on my bows when the pins start glowing it's it's uh pretty much a hunting time and when they stop glowing it's time to stop hunting so you can kind of use those not as an exact guide but you know if the pins aren't glowing not light enough to shoot. Uh, you have to look at that. So most of those are going to cater to the compound shooter, uh, those magazines uh, with all the, the technology and stuff. Now, if you're not one of those that wants to get into all, all that, you know, you're shooting more the traditional bows. Now there are magazines out there that cater to your traditional archers, whether you're shooting a longbow or recurve, uh, or you're shooting, you know, self-made bows, you're shooting all kinds of different bows. There's magazines that deal with just a traditional and they go back to, you have a, a bow, and, which is a stick and a string and you're flicking another string. And, you know, that's, that's basically archery and there's just all kinds of different stuff going on with that. Now, with all these new bows coming out, they're getting shorter and faster and shorter and faster. And next thing you know, you've got you know, me, I got 29 inch draw length and they're trying to, they wanted me to get in a 28 inch uh, axle axle bow. Well, that makes an awful sharp angle on the string. So is shorter better? Yeah, well, if you're shooting out of a blind, shorter can be nice. Uh, and then fast, you know, you know, I had some of the podcasts before, you know, fast is not always the best thing for it because 
the old slow bows, they were more forgiving. These new bows, when you shoot them really fast, they magnify any of your mistakes. So you have to have good form, good technique. And, you know, that's where, you know, getting into some good coaching can help you over that hurdle there. Uh, now, take a look at some of the new crossbows. You know, those, the limbs only stick out maybe a couple inches off each side. And it's it's, it's amazing how how short they're, and compact they're making them. Uh, you know, that's just more technology coming in there. And, you know, all these new bows and, and arrows and everything coming out is just, just a whole lot of uh, new technology coming out. And, you know, take advantage of it. You know, if, if you want to shoot, you know, a compound bow, take advantage of some of the advances. You know, just makes your, your job a lot easier. Uh, aero technology has advanced quite a bit. Uh, you know, we started out, you know, when I started in the 60s, you had your choice of wood arrows or wood arrows. You know, that was pretty much about it. And you got feathers on them. And, and now they advanced in, aluminum arrows come out. And now those were a little bit more reliable, a little bit straighter. The problem with aluminum is as you shoot them, they the tolerances get a little bit less. So you start off with, I had one, I was starting out with the 1.5 thousandths uh, in straightness from end to end. But after you shoot them for a year, they're not that straight anymore. And then they come out with carbon arrows. And now the carbon arrows, now they, they were getting a little bit straighter, but the first carbons, you know, if, if you broke one of those, you had splinters all over the place. So if you, you know, I, I refused to even shoot them just because if they broke, you, you had all kinds of splinters and, you know, say you're shooting in a, in a deer and, and they break. Well, now you've got all these carbon fibers spread all over in, in the meat. And so now you have to be careful of that. And they, they've advanced now that instead of being a single strand going from the, the knot to the tip, now they're, they're crossweed. They'll have a layer going that way and a layer going the opposite direction. So now they're a lot, lot tougher. When they break, they're a clean break. Uh, so then once they start coming out of those, then I switched over to carbon arrows. And nice thing about the carbon is they're either straight or broke. You know, they don't change tolerances. You know, if you buy, you know, the, the competition pro ones, which are the 1000 straightness arrow, which is better than what I could get in aluminum and they stay that straightness, they're always going to be that straight unless you break them. Uh, that, that's the advantage of them. You have to break them or lose them. Otherwise, you, you, there's no reason to get any more because uh, you can refletch them. You can get stuff. You know, I had you know, one of the other podcasts we talked about uh, uh, refletching. And so I just go back and listen to some of those on, on refletching. And, and they're definitely a pretty tough shaft. Uh, I've, I've sent them in steel doors and concrete blocks and you know they they fared really well in the the steel door commercial door they didn't fare quite as well in the concrete block they did break back a little bit uh but most of the shaft was still good <laughs> so you know they, they they are tough now now <clears throat> some of the other advances that have been going on as sites you know back when i first started getting sites on them there was just a bracket with with, with slots in it and you had your sight, your pin, and you could adjust it going in and out as well as up and down. So once you loosen the nut to move it up and down, you had to be careful you didn't turn the pin. So now as you're moving it up, you might be moving it out or in. So And, and they were just really pain to adjust. And your accuracy, you just couldn't get your accuracy there. For one, you, you couldn't adjust the pin very well, as well as aluminum arrows they weren't consistent. So you, you weren't going to get those really good groups 
if you're shooting for a long period of time with those same arrows because the groups are getting wider and wider. Um, I used to buy a new dozen every hunting season and amazing how tighter my groups got just by changing arrows. Uh, now, if you want to read up on, you know, the traditional archery, you know, you look for a magazine or, you know, with, with Facebook and look for a Facebook group or, or a website that deals with uh, traditional bows. They have some with compound bows. Uh, there's some very good uh, sites that do some, they have some good videos out there. Um, so just go in there and look at that. You know, my Facebook group, uh, Archer Talk 101, we have some information there about uh, how to shoot, how to work on your bow, uh, all kinds of different information in there. Just a place where you can all talk about archery. If you have a problem, uh, there's no no question that is is a, a dumb question. Uh, the only dumb question is one you haven't asked. Once you ask it, it's not dumb because you didn't know it. So that's a place where you can go talk about whatever you want to talk about in archery. And, and it's a safe place because we don't allow anybody to advertise in there. So you just talk about archery. Now, I have both compounds and traditional bows. I have a recurve, I have a PSC recurve that I have set up for bow fishing. Uh, I don't, I don't hunt with it because I don't take the time to bit, get proficient with it, to be able to hunt with it. I, I use my compound because I, I'm a little more proficient with it because it has sights, anchor points, all that kind of stuff. Now, I use it mostly for bow fishing because while you're bow fishing, the time between you see the fish and you have to make the shot is very small, and I shoot the recurve instinctively. There's no sights. I have my anchor point. I look at the target and and just you know go and shoot. It's just all complete instinctive. Uh, when I pick up my compound bow, I'm looking for an anchor point and I'm looking for the kisser. I'm looking for the peep. And, you know, I'm looking for the right pan and um, you don't have time for that when you have uh, a fish that's swimming by and it might be up on the surface and then go down and so you have a very short amount of time. And for me, when I pick up a recurve, my mind goes in instinctive mode in there and I pick up a compound. I, I just have trouble switching to instinctive mode with a compound. It's just a different, it's a different uh, weapon and I shoot them differently. Uh, just like I don't shoot handguns the same as I do rifles or shotguns. It's, it's just different. You just do it all different. Now, I prefer to hunt with my compound like I just alluded to here. Um, you know, I still fletch my arrows with feathers kind of a holdover from the archer days starting in the 60s you know we did feathers and that's all there was and i just i just like feathers better um so i just use them i don't use veins but you know some like veins there's some advantages veins and some disadvantages and if you go back to like one of my other podcasts we did talk about that you know the advantages and disadvantages of, of both of them so i won't get into that here because you can go back and listen to that one and we covered that fairly well um now when you're hunting it doesn't matter which bow you're using, whether you're using a compound, you're using a crossbow, you're using uh, a recurve longbow or, or any type of bow that you have. Uh, the main thing you want to look at is you need to learn effective range of whichever bow you're using and don't shoot beyond it. And you just need to practice. You know, if you, you know the effective range of you shooting that bow. Now, it's not the bow itself because the bow's effective range can be, you know, yards and yards 100 yards sometimes i know i know people that are, that are shoot 120 yards and hitting a target but that's not you uh you need to learn what your effective range is where can you consistently hit that six inch circle you know one way to kind of determine what your effective range is 
is get a steel plate with a hole in the size of the, the lungs. And how far back are you going to shoot at that? Because if you miss, you just destroyed your arrow. That's how to practice. And if you aren't willing to take that shot at a steel target, why would you take a, a shot like that at an animal uh, when you have a chance of either uh, wounding it? And, you know, that's not, we don't want to do that. You know, none of us want to wound them. We want either clean miss or an effective uh, kill shot. So one of the things, why am I writing this article, you know, the technology versus traditional? Uh, well, when it comes down to bow and arrow, uh, it, it's just all about safety and survival. You know, if it comes down to, you know, being safe, you know, safety or survival, if I need to depend on it, I'm going to go with the, the compound and use the high tech and stuff, you know, all the time because it gives you a little bit of an advantage. Uh, there's, there's, uh, a time when I figured all I needed was a topo map and a trusty compass. Um, you know, I did fine, you know, did it for quite a few years. You know, there was just, and sometimes not even a map, just going out and having, I always had a compass with me and I'd go out and, and I knew which direction I walked in. So I knew if I walked in going south, then I knew I had to go back north to go back out where, where I'm at. And, you, you know, that's just, just, you know, what I used to do. Um, you know, I, I have a pretty good sense of direction. So as I'm walking around, I kind of pretty much tell, you know, which way I'm going, you know, it's just one of those things that I've been doing. And it also helps too, if you hunt the same area, area each time you're going out, if you hunt it for several years, you know the area very well, uh, but that doesn't mean that you still can't get lost. Uh, I remember one time I was hunting uh, some public land and, and I walk in, walk right to my stand, walk in right to my stand, you know, I've done it many times. Well, I was taking a, a friend of mine hunting and he, we had set up a stand a little bit different direction. So instead of walking and turn and go to my side, we walked straight to go to his tree stand. And then I turned, went up to my tree stand. Uh, unbeknownst to me, I actually walked underneath my tree stand, didn't even notice that I'm up further. And I was like, okay, this train, I'm way too far north. I need to go back. So I ended up walking all the way past everything, still couldn't find it. So I was like, okay, this is getting upsetting. So then I walked out, went back to the, the vehicle, walk straight to my tree stand, you know, because I, I I got turned around because <laughs> I went a different way than I normally was going. And, but I knew where I was at, you know, it's like, okay, I'm lost where I'm at. Pull my compass out, compass out and I says, okay, I need to go east. So we compass east because I knew there's a trail there to get back. I went there and, you know, that's why you carry compass with you. You know, at least if you get do get turned around, which does happen, uh, you can find your way back to where you need to go. As long as you know, you, you know, I parked on the north side of the hunting area and I'm south, so I know I need to head back north. So I just get compass out, go back north, and I'll, I'll eventually get there. Now, fortunately, there's the property was fenced by a river on one side and fences on the other two sides. So the only way I could go without getting a fence, if I hit a fence, I knew I was too far. And then I just walked back out in the field and there's camping and stuff there. So there's all the natural open fields. Now, let's get into some of the technology stuff. So. Uh, let, let's let's talk about the GPS. Now, back when I first got my GPS was back in about 95 and cell phones were pretty much, you made a call, received a call. That was it. There was none of these other features. You, you couldn't do maps on it. You couldn't tell where yours at. Uh, there, there was no, no, no features other than make a call and receive a call. That was it. So back in uh, a few years back, I was going to talk about here in 1995 to be exact. 
had a chance to go moose hunting in Canada. Now, this is an area I didn't know because one, I'd never been to Canada, so I didn't know the area. So I bought a, uh, myself a topo map of the area that I was going to hunt in. And I had a GPS receiver. I think it was um, a Magellan, I think is what it was. Uh, don't know if they make a million or not. Or more or not. And what I had done was on that map, it had the lat long coordinates, but it didn't have for the cabin I was going to, you know, the, the lodge. And I talked to the owner and they didn't know what the coordinates was of that. And I wanted to plug it in and see where I'd go at. So what I did was I took on the map, I measured the distance between two number lat long coordinates that was on there. So then I knew where it was at and I measured how far it was and I calculated what the lat long should be for that uh, lodge. So then I plugged it in, and now as I'm driving up to Canada, I was up in Ontario, Canada, and I'm in Nebraska, it was about an 885-mile trip. So I plugged in those coordinates that I calculated off this topo map that I had, and I'm driving there. Now, of course, I had a map and directions to the cabin anyway, so I, I knew where I needed to go, whether the GPS is working or not. <clears throat> so, But I wanted to see how it worked. You know, so I pulled this information off, plugged it in, and we're we're getting there, and we get right to the road. We're going to have to turn down. I know we need to turn down because I had the name of the road, and also the GPS says, "Okay, right turn at this street." And sure enough, I turned down that road. That was the road it was supposed to go down. And when I got there, it's I was the roads in between the lodge and then the cabins you stay in, and it was saying us that where I was supposed to go was right at like the second cabin or something, about 60, 60 yards away from where I was at. Um, yeah, probably about 60 yards away from where the cabin was is where it was going to take me. Now you have to remember, uh, I calculated its coordinates by measuring them off the map. And at that time, GPS signals were only accurate to 30 feet. You couldn't get any more accurate than that. It's just because they introduced an error in it. The military had more accurate ones. They can get down to, you know, real fine. You know, nowadays, you can do surveying with GPS uh, signals. Now, one other time I used it, well, I was hunting. We parked the van. I wanted to walk one of the fields because we're up there moose hunting. Uh, so I plugged in the coordinates to where the, we parked the van. So I knew where that was at. And so I took off down the hill and into the forest, walked around there, and I, I turned, um, headed off to the left, up to the forest, and, and you know, really wouldn't see anything there. Kind of wasn't really the right time of the day. It was kind of the middle of the afternoon and really didn't expect any moose to be out because they normally out in the morning and, and evenings. And I, I couldn't see the, uh, you know, I hadn't seen the van in quite a while, but I knew about where it's at. I knew where the road was. I knew if I headed straight out, I'd get to the road and then I'd get back to where the van was. So I knew it wasn't going to be lost because uh, I, I knew where I had to go to get back to it. So when I was ready to head back, I just looked at the GPS and I started walking according to what it said. Now, you got to remember that GPS is going to take you in a straight line. It's not going to take you around obstacles and roads. There's not It's not like the maps that you use for your, uh, you know, when you're driving because on the roads, there's no roads. This is just an open mountainside. And I'm following it through there. And, and as, as I go around a hill, because it, it takes me take you through a swampy area. And I didn't want to walk through the swampy area. Uh, so I walked around that. And there's little hills. I didn't want to walk over the top of the hill and down over the hill. I could just walk around this little hill. 
So I walk around it, and every time I did that, the GPS pointed direction, go this new direction. So it, it kept pointing to toward the van was parked the whole time. And sure enough, I got back. It took me right back to it. And so now, okay, now I get a little more confidence in, in the GPS and how it's working because I wanted to make sure I knew how I was working before I got somewhere where I couldn't, you know, get out. I needed to depend on it. Well, we had another time I was out with my son. We went up antelope hunting and we saw one on the next hill. So we parked the car on the side of the hill uh, on the side where, you know, on the north side where the truck could be seen by the, the antelope. Now we started walking on that side of the hill below the, the crest so the antelope couldn't see us because they have very good eyesight. Walked to the watering hole where we thought they, that might be going to. Uh, we didn't know. We decided to take a chance because that's, you know, they got watering holes around that they can go to. But, you know, we hoping we get there, but, you know, no such luck. So now we decided to go back to the truck. So we started walking back. Now, this time we're walking back on top of the hill instead of on the north side. We're on the top of it. So we're walking back and something didn't look familiar. You know, when we went down there, uh, I, we're walking back, we seen a tree. And I was like, I don't remember this tree. We must have walked too far and missed the truck. So I said, okay, we, we must have missed it. So we started going back. We ended up going back to the watering hole and back. And then we're still not finding the truck. And then we're walking around. And now you would think I had the GPS with me because I had it with me. Well, what I didn't do was plug in the coordinates or take it with me. Yeah, it was left in the truck. So now I can't even look on the GPS to find the truck because I left it in the truck. And I got this like, okay, I have this thing. I brought along specifically for that reason because I was going out and I was tagging each of the watering holes. So I knew where this at. We got out to go chase this. I forgot about the GPS right in there. So we're going on, trying to find it. I'm hitting the key fob on the truck. You know how you'll, you'll hit the lock button or the sound button and they'll, they'll beep. No sound, no sound. We're walking around for an hour or two and we didn't finally find the truck. It was on the side of the hill, the next hill. So we were probably quarter of a mile away from our truck. And I don't know how we did it, but if we'd had the GPS, that's where the electronics, if you don't have them and don't use them, it's not there. And and the whole thing, what we discovered is when it was walking back, because we walked down on the north side, we're walking back on the top. And this tree that I seen that got confused over wasn't tall enough to be seen over the top of the hill from where we were walking. So I seen this tree and I was like, I don't remember a tree. Well, we don't remember a tree because I didn't see one because it wasn't tall enough to be seen on the other side where we was walking. Now, with the new cell phones, there's a lot of data available as long as you have a cell phone service. You know, you have, you have your GPS kind of built into there. You can look at it and see where you're at. Uh, there's apps that you can get on them that does all that. Uh, but you have to have cell reception in order to get them. They don't work off satellites. So if you're not within the range of the cell tower, you have no information. They just go out. And you know, when you're out hunting in some of these places, there's there's no cell service. You know, you're you you're not able to get to anything. Now with the GPS, they use the GPS satellites that are orbiting the earth. There's uh, like seven or nine of them or something. You only need three of them to pick up a signal because I need the three to triangulate where you're at. And you can pretty much, if you have a lot of trees overcast, it's a little hard to see through. If you get to a clearing, 
you can figure out where you're at uh, with the GPS because it'll, it'll lock in on them and they'll right where you're at. It'll take you right back the direction you need to go. Now, I would still think about getting a GPS and a topple map and a compass with me if I'm going to a remote area where I'm not familiar with. You know, I want to make sure I have that map because you can look on the map, you can mark on there because uh, I'm going to have your lat lung coordinates. If you have your GPS, you look there, you can mark on where you're at. You can look at the terrain. And once you learn how to read topple maps, you know, there, the reason there's a lot of information there. you can tell how steep the hills are, you, you know, where the hills and valleys are. Uh, you can mark on the map. It's like, okay, here is uh, my camp or where I parked or here is the home place I want to get back to where the vehicle is. And then you can look and see where you're at. And by orienting your map and using your compass and you can look at the features if you look at your map you can see okay here's here's a hill here here uh and then okay now you can orient your map the right way look and see where you're at see where you're lined up and then you, you'll just know which way to go to your back now one of the other things that is important in archery is judging yardage and this is where more technology has come in and helping us out you know if you're off by 10 yards, it could mean missing or wounding an animal. And that's the last thing we want to do. You know, that, you know, if you're judging your yardage and your shot mate, you don't have a good shot form, uh, it, all kinds of things can affect them. And now you, you missed your shot because you didn't know the yardage. If you at least know, get the yardage pinned down and know it, it definitely helps. So that technology is your digital range finders. Uh, they are very good and very accurate. Some of them are a little bit different ranges. You know, some are real short, you know, like in a normal bow hunting range, you're not normally very far. Uh, others will go out, you know, four or 500 yards on, you know, on, onto a deer. And uh, they have a um, real good way of, uh, you know, figuring out the distance on them. There's lasers in there that, that do timing and it reflects off an object and comes back to it. And then it knows how far it is, you know, because of the time it, it can calculate the distance to, you know, fairly close uh you know if you're if you're within one yard you're you're, you're going to be good uh you know the best way is if you know the distance to your target now that takes that unknown factor out of there so now you just have to worry about okay i know this is 23 yards i know how to shoot 23 yards because i practiced shooting at 20 yards 23 yards and i know how my arrow is affected the different yardages you know, the faster the bow, the flatter they are, but the less forgiving it is. So you have to pay attention to all that. Now they have range finders that are designed specifically for us archers. Because if you're shooting of a tree stand, uh, as you're shooting down, or if you're shooting bottom hill, shooting up a hill, the distance you see is different from what you're really going to shoot it for. Now you go check on one of the podcasts I have, uh, a podcast where we talked about specifically on how to shoot uphill and downhill. But basically, as you're shooting downhill, the distance that you go straight line is not where you're going to shoot. And you need to compensate for that. And the new digital uh, range finders, they compensate based on that angle on what you want to shoot it for. So they do the straight line, and a lot of them will have in there a different number. One is the straight line, and one's the actual yardage you're going to shoot it for. So it does the compensation for you. And, you know, you have a little little range finder and they're not very big and you go into different modes and it tells you what's going on. Now, this one happens to be a Vortex Ranger um, model, the Ranger 1800. So 
it'll go out quite a ways. You know, if you want to do for rifle, it'll it'll work that for that as well. So that comp that angle compensation in there is what you want to look at because you're not going to be shooting the straight line. It might look differently because you're shooting downhill or uphill. You normally shoot over your target, so it's actually less distance. So one more thing in the technology that's been around for many many years, and that's your binoculars. Uh, you know, you want to see the game first. You know, you don't want them to see you. If you see them first, then you have options. If they see you first, uh, you kind of eliminate all your options. Now, even a cheap set is better than nothing, but it all depends on what you're going to use them for. Uh, when you use them for a short time, you know, any set will work. Um, let's say you're doing a spot and stock and you spend most of your time, you know, looking through the binoculars. That's when you want the high-end ones because the eye strain. You know, if you look through a cheap pair of binoculars very long, your eyes will start hurting. Where the higher quality ones, the optics are better in there and you don't have that eye strain. So I remember one time, you know, just to get, you know, the difference between them, I was at a 3D shoot. The target was a hog. It was in the shadows. It was dark. You know, the hogs are, you know, real dark target in the shadows. Really couldn't see very well. So I had a set of Tasco 10 by 50s. You know, you think 10 power, you know, that should bring it in really good. Now I was looking for the 10 ring and, you know, on those, those cheaper ones, you know, you close one eye and then you adjust the eye for that one. And then you open it up and then adjust the focus for both of them. So I'm closing one eye, trying to get the best focus, you know, open them up, trying to get the best focus. And I'm having trouble even finding the, the location of where that 10 ring is because you can't tell by where they've been shot up a lot because that may not be where you want to shoot. So <clears throat> one of the guys in the group had a set of eight by 42 Leica binoculars. Yeah, you let me use them. I said, oh, thanks, man. So I just, I looked at it about 15 seconds. I didn't even adjust the focus on it. I just picked it up, looked at it. Oh, thanks. And then back to him. About 15 seconds, I seen the 10 ring. I knew exactly where it was at. You know, that's, that's the clarity that those binoculars provided. You know, the Tascos were blurry even on a good day. There's always blurry. But the, the clarity in those Leicas were just amazing. You know, how clear it was. And it was an eight power. I had a 10 power and I couldn't see as well as I did with the eight power of the Leicas. You know, that's the difference between the two. Now, as I'm talking about this, I looked this up this morning just before I started this uh, recording. And uh, Walmart has a Tesco. Tasco 10 by 50s for $39. And I also looked up at Cabela's has the 8 by 42 Leicas. They're $999. Uh, but there's there's a lot of uh, difference in the way they're going to shoot and look. Now, which one is for you? You know, that, that depends. You know, there's, you know, what are you going to use it for? You know, what is your budget? You know, the $39 one, you, you're kind of not really, you know, getting a lot for it. But say you're going to a football game or something and you want to bring it up and you want to look a little bit here. And you, if you end up getting them lost or broken, you're out 40 bucks. If you got your $1,000 Leicas, yeah, you, you want to be really careful though because those are expensive. You can't just replace them whenever you want. So that's something you have to answer for, you, you know, ask yourself and answer for yourself, you know, which is better. Now, there are other manufacturers that 
do between the Tasco $39 one and the Leica $1,000 one. You have Leopold, Micon, Vortex. Uh, those are all excellent uh, companies. There's other companies out there as well. Um, I know Leopold has some starting from $200 to $500. And Nikon has some in, in that, that range. Uh, they're both good optics. Um, my my rangefinder is, is a Vortex. And you know, that's, that's really good. But I'm only looking at it for a short period of time. What's the range? And, and where are we going from there? So what are you using you know, for technology when you go hunting? All right, you just have your cell phone with you for emergency calls. Do you have, because uh, you know, everybody has a virtual cell phone and when you have it, do you turn it off because the deer can hear it ring? Um, so just just let me know what, what you're using for electronics. Are, are you using any of that stuff? And if you're not, you know, what is your reason not? And if you are, what was your reason why you decided to do that? Uh, so just, just remember, it's all up to you. We're all bow hunters or archers. And as long as we're having fun, that's all that matters. So, well, then we'll let you know before we get done, remind you once again, I have that free 50 minute consultation call for anybody that would like to see if uh, coaching might be for you. Uh, it may not be for everybody and it may be, and uh, I can help you out. I've helped hundreds of people go from shooting big groups down to groups that are, you're getting arrows or touching. So I've done that many times and I can help you do the same thing. You know, if you want to learn what the Olympic archers are using to hit their spots, that's what I'm teaching the same thing they're doing, same thing they've learned. Uh, one other research you can go is out to the Archer Talk 101 Facebook group. I have a link for that description in the uh, uh, description below. I'll have that in there. And then you can go out to archertalk101.com. That's a website that, that I have that uh, has a lot of information out there. Some of the same information you're getting elsewhere. But if I review, uh, uh, if I review something, uh, I'll put a link in there uh, to the review. Uh, I, I pre routinely will review items once in a while. When I find something that is good, I'll, I'll do a review on it and post it in there. Uh, so that's three reasons that you can use. And you can always get a hold of me and uh, we can see where we can take your archer skills to the next level. Once again, my name is Roy Canterbury and I've been your host today on Archer Talk 101.